Hello, this is Alex Granados, reporter for Education NC, and you're listening to Ed Talk. Right now, I am sitting in the General Assembly. The Senate has had both of its votes on the budget. The House has had one of its votes and is going to have its last vote today. We have a compromise budget, which is pretty well what the budget is going to be after the House votes, and then it's going to go to the governor. And I'm sitting here with Catherine Joyce, Executive Director of the North Carolina Association of School Administrators, and we are going to talk about principal pay and uh, issues with uh, principal salary schedule and uh, just principals generally. Catherine, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Alex, and good morning. Good morning to you. Uh, So it's exciting. Hopefully this will be the last day of uh, pouring over the budget. Um, but the budget does have significant changes to the principal salary schedule and to principal pay generally. Can you go over for our listeners uh, what's in the budget compromise? So we're very pleased to see that this budget includes a $35.4 million increase in principal and assistant principal compensation. And we think that's the right priority at the right time. Our um, compensation in North Carolina for principals and assistant principals has ranked us at the very bottom of the nation and the bottom of the Southeast for many years. And this investment is very much needed to um, enhance ability of school districts to recruit and retain high quality principals and assistant principals. So as far as what the pay plan includes, um, it's broken down in that there is a new salary schedule created for both principals and assistant principals. And let me break in for a minute for people who don't know what a salary schedule is. This is essentially the list that says, you know, if you're a principal of this type, this is how much money you get and that sort of thing. This this one has specific criteria that apply to that. So, Correct. So uh, what this does is create a new schedule that focuses on the size of the school the number of students enrolled, as well as has that school been um, making its targets for growing student achievement over the last three years. So that's that's, um, what's taken into account to put together the new principal salary schedule as their base salary. And then on top of that, this budget provides a bonus which can supplement base salary and and will allow some principals in this coming school year to earn as much as $15,000 additionally. And so uh, both the Senate and the House prior to this budget compromise had separate principal pay plans that had, you know, different uh, money allotted to it uh, for, for pay raises and different kind of average percent pay raises, and they both approached the salary schedule differently. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what we saw in those plans and how they differ from this one? So we were very pleased to see that both the House and Senate maintained a salary schedule to set in place minimum pay as well as maximum pay and variation throughout an individual's career. Earlier in the session, both the House and Senate had looked at going to something that was called a block grant, which would just be one pot of money that would be provided to a school district and the superintendent would have to work out individual pay for all of their administrators. And we thought that would be very problematic. So keeping a base salary schedule is something that we were pleased both the House and Senate remain committed to do and we worked with them to try to come up with with good plans. Their plans differed significantly. So what we saw with the Senate plan which is the one that's now ultimately adopted in the final state budget, it focuses, as I mentioned earlier, on the size of the school and whether the school is growing student learning. 
So in, in essence, that is, that is somewhat of a move to performance-based pay, which is something this General Assembly has been very interested in the last few years. The House plan had looked at size of school and levels of poverty for uh, which the, the population that the, the school is serving. So it was a very different plan. That plan was actually tied back to the teacher salary schedule and had some years of experience recognition in it. So ultimately in conference, the Senate plan became the adopted plan that is in the final budget. And at, at one point, I can't remember whether it was the House or Senate plan, but the pay raises were gonna be paid for with lottery funds. And what, do you remember which plan that was? Yes, and initially the Senate plan was going to be uh, paying for principal compensation with lottery funds, but now this is coming from our state's general fund. It's, it's our main state revenue source. The, the, this compromise plan Correct. is coming from the general fund. Okay. Um, and so you're happy with, with what we have, and this, this is a pretty big step forward for principals because principal pay and the principal pay schedule has been a certain way for a very long time. Um, go ahead. Yes, so, so what this does, on average, this will give our principals an 8.6% increase over their previous compensation. And it, it's going to set a base salary schedule that will let them earn just under $62,000 for the smallest school in the state. Uh, for, for a new principal starting there who hasn't um, had any experience there, has not had an opportunity to, to prove if the school was meeting or exceeding growth targets, and all the way up to just under $89,000 for the largest school in the state where that principal is exceeding growth targets and doing great things with the school. And I know at one point I was looking at this and I was thinking to myself that there may be principals under the current pay plan who make more than what appears to be the maximum under the new pay plan, but there's a hold harmless provision, right? So if you do make more than the maximum, you'll keep making that. Is that correct? correct. That, that's a very important component of what's written into the budget is hold harmless language that will prevent anyone from taking a pay cut. So they may not get an increase um, with the base salary, but certainly they won't earn less than they did last year. There's also provision that says that a principal can't earn less than an assistant principal in the same district. So as assistant principals continue to be raised, principals who lead those schools also will go up simultaneously in future years. And we've heard lawmakers talk kind of generally about the fact that the new pay schedule is a way to correct problems that arose from the prior pay schedule. They haven't gone into a lot of specifics, but, but I've covered it a lot and I'm sure you've paid a lot of attention to that too. So can you talk a little bit, um, let's start with what are the problems with the current principal pay schedule? So I think one reason that this overhaul has happened is that as our General Assembly has rightfully focused on improving teacher pay in recent years, they created a new schedule for teachers and disconnected the schedule for, from the one that served principals and assistant principals. So as teachers were increasing over the last five or six years, principal pay has been pretty much stagnant and, and no automatic increases. So the, the people that they supervise in their school buildings have been doing much better, but they've remained basically at that, at that set pay and not, not uh, seeing significant increases. So that disconnect is a problem and we um, in a few years ago actually were able to get some language in law that says assistant principals have to earn at least as much as they would earn as a teacher 
and principals would have to earn at least as much as they would earn as assistant principals just to just to keep those people level with, with teachers as they were improving. Because the problem was that because of this disconnect in the various schedules, there in some cases could be teachers making more than their administrators, assistant principals possibly making more than their principals, and it just became kind of confusing. It was very confusing and convoluted, and there were lots of uh, different scenarios for how to pay our principals based on size of school, what level of school it was, whether it was elementary, middle, or high school, number of teachers supervised. There were lots of factors that went into the old salary schedule that made it really hard to know exactly what every principal in the state was earning. And when I looked into this, another problem that I saw with the the old or the current principal pay schedule that's about to be replaced was that in some cases for principals overseeing a certain number of teachers, there were many years that they would remain basically at the same pay level from the state. Um, and so they might get, you know, a raise from local supplements, but as far as the state was concerned, their pay was just stagnant for years and years and years. Um, is that something that, that you paid attention to as well? That's correct, and that, that is always a, a difficult situation for counties who want, want, to main, uh, want to continue to be competitive in attracting and retaining high-quality principals in schools and their communities, but they have limited funds as well, so it's hard for them to keep pace if the state's not increasing um, the state portion of, of our school leadership compensation. So these are some of the problems that are addressed under the new principal salary schedule. Um, you know, it's set out in such a way that principals won't have to go many years without a pay raise. It's, you know, pretty well set out what they can, when they can expect to get a pay raise and, and they won't have to go too long without it. And the, the principal and assistant principal salary schedule, as you said, are aligned with the teacher salary schedule so that we won't have the problem of somebody that is being overseen by another person actually making more money than them. Correct, and that's a very positive step and something that I think this General Assembly should be commended for taking a leadership role and trying to improve. And, uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of principals about this, and, um, you know, I talk to them about the problems with the current salary schedule, and one of my questions is always, well, why aren't you making more noise about this? And uh, I often hear them say, well, we feel like our job is to be the advocate for the teachers, and it would be kind of self-serving for us to advocate for ourselves. And so, in essence, we have a situation in the state where everybody's advocating for teachers, and nobody, with the exception of organizations like yours, is advocating for the principals. I think you're exactly right, Alex. Our, our principals are really um, focused on what's what's best for students and teachers, and they don't like to have to focus on what they need personally. But we have many situations in the state right now where principals and, and some of their families, they, they would be qualified as low income. And so that's not how we create a system that attracts and retains the individuals who we need in those school leadership roles that are vital to student learning. And, you know, in, in all this discussion, principals are often overlooked for the impact they have on student learning or on teachers becoming highly effective teachers. You know, the focus is often on teachers and what they do in the classroom. But principals actually have a big role to play in the success, success of the school, more so, I think, than people naturally assume just looking at the situation from the outside. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I, th I think if you think about it, a principal serves really two key roles in a school. He's the CEO running the business operation of the school, but he or she is also that instructional leader who sets the tone for what teachers are doing in the classrooms, who is working to foster 
the learning process for teachers so they can be more effective. And that's the person that is in charge of making sure that they are retaining good teachers, helping them to grow and improve. And the ultimate outcome is that students are learning from our best and brightest teachers and they have the best opportunity to be successful. So the, the, the principal section of this budget compromise is big step in a new direction, but it is kind of a first step. Um, so what do you expect or hope to see going forward? Well, I would say that first of all, there are some things that were taken away with this transition to this new base schedule that will be concerning to some principals out there. Uh, for instance, they previously received a bonus for longevity if they've been in school service for a, a long number of years as a teacher, assistant principal, and then principal. So they, they lose longevity bonuses. <clears throat> they also lose monthly <clears throat> they also lose monthly degree supplements that have supplemented their base pay if they if they hold um, a doctoral degree, and then all of them have to hold a master's degree to even be certified as a principal, so they lose a, a supplement for master's pay as well. So that's a problem, and also the new schedule does not have a years of experience recognition component. So our most veteran principals will be concerned about the longer I stay, I'm not really assured I'm gonna be earning more. I've gotta actually be performing and growing my school and how do I make that happen? And so it's perhaps not surprising that all of this isn't incorporated since this is a first step and it's a big budget, but um, have you been talking with lawmakers about this? Are you getting a sense that these are things that they're interested in addressing in the future? So House and Senate leadership have talked a lot about um, wanting to improve this new base schedule even more. I'm not sure that they're going to go back to add in years of recognition, which is something we would like to see happen, but they're telling us that as the base is improved even more and there's more funding put into the base pay for principals, that should solve the problems that we're seeing with our veterans who may be somewhat um, left out on, on this year's good increase that, that the average principal will see. So we've been talking a lot about principals, and, and I guess when it comes to administrators, they're the, the ones that get a lot of the attention, but the, the budget compromise also includes changes to the assistant principal salary schedule, and we've touched on it, but can you be a little bit more specific about what we see there? So assistant principals don't have the same base salary schedule that we talked about for principals. They are tied directly to teachers, and their pay will be determined by their total years of service, as either a teacher or assistant principal or both and then they will look at that point of the teacher salary schedule say for instance I'm a 15-year uh, school employee who, who was previously a teacher and I'm now an assistant principal you, you look at year 15 on the teacher salary schedule and you add 17 percent to, to that monthly amount that's paid to the teachers and that's the pay for assistant principals there's also intent language in the budget to move our assistant principals to 19% above the teacher schedule in next in the next school year, in 2018-19. And are, are you satisfied with that, or are there additional things you'd like to see happen with assistant principals? I think that's a really good increase for assistant principals, and it maintains that tie with teachers who they work closely with. Um, it also, I think, is 
it, it's probably an even bigger increase than we're seeing for the top school leader, the principal. The assistant principals will have, on average, an increase of 13.4% under this budget. So that, that's a pretty good uh, compensation increase for them. Okay. Well, Catherine, thank you for talking with me. Thanks for having me. We've been talking with Catherine Joyce, Executive Director of the North Carolina Association of School Administrators, and I'm Alex Granados, reporter for Education NC, and you've been listening to Ed Talk. Thanks for listening.